you have to find that ratio where some of your money is going toward investing, toward increasing your income, your value, yeah. your net worth by more than two or three percent, right. and potentially by way more than two to three percent. Right, of course. Because you don't want to just maintain. You want to get ahead. You want to be able to save and invest so that you're setting aside that nest egg so that when you do have to stop working or choose to stop working, you have the ability to do it and still not uh, not have to live in a poorhouse. Well, welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson. On today's episode, we're continuing our conversation about economics and your personal finances. As a reminder, economics is the study of what constitutes rational human behavior in the endeavor to fulfill needs and wants given a world with scarce resources. And David, in the last episode, we quoted Ron Blue. Uh, who said that there are infinite amount of choices, but limited amount of resources. Yeah, and we really emphasize the rational human behavior, because what we're talking about is when it comes to our personal finances and really our lives, we don't always act rationally. No, we don't. And so it's important for us to realize these economic terms and understand just a, a basic understanding of some of, this econo- of these economic principles uh, and understand the areas where we act rationally and the areas where we don't and how it affects our personal finances. Yeah, that's true. And so I do. I love Ron Blue's quote, infinite choices with limited resources, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, my paycheck uh, is only so big <laughs> and there are so many more options out there I'd love to choose. Yes. So so last uh, episode, we talked about a couple different terms. One, the idea of something that's free. You mm-hmm. know, what does that mean to say something's free? And uh, we dug into the details on that. We talked about 0% interest and some of the advertising that you'll see around that. And then we talked about opportunity costs and the opportunity to do one thing costs you the opportunity to do something else. Yes. And so in this episode, we're starting out with marginal utility. And again, we're just breaking down economic terms. So I love this marginal utility. And the idea is that the utility, the use that you get when you use an object, the margin of value, the amount of value you get from each use, it changes. So maybe the first time you use something, it's great. The second time you use it, it's not as good. The third time you use it, it's not as good. Now it still may still may be a good thing. Mm-hmm. But you don't get as much value. The margin of use, the marginal utility diminishes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, think about it like this. If you live on $1,000 a month and somebody gives you $100, that is a massive impact on your finances. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, this this feels really good, right? If you earn $100,000 a month and somebody gives you $100, it doesn't impact your life at all. Not at all. So if you have a lot more money, a little bit, the same amount of increase uh, has a marginally less valuable factor in your life. Right. And so uh, another great example, and this is just breaking it down super simple. I love chocolate chip cookies. Who doesn't? <laughs> and so doesn't? my mom made amazing chocolate chip cookies growing up. And so we would run around the house and usually steal some cookie dough before the cookies were done baking. And then we would dig into the cookies when they were done baking. And, and the first cookie comes out of the oven and it's warm and mm-hmm. it's gooey mm-hmm. and you know it's melt in your mouth. You can taste the, the sugar, the butter, the chocolate chips. It's just perfect. And so you love it and you eat another one. 
and that one's really good. And so you eat another one. Well, now that you're on your third cookie, still phenomenal, mm-hmm. but not quite as good as the first cookie, right? Yep, yep. And so then you have a fourth and a fifth cookie. And by the time you get to the sixth cookie, you're thinking, okay, I'm probably done after five. But let's say that your friend comes over, sees that you have cookies, and says, hey, let's sit down and have a few more cookies together. Mm-hmm. Well, now as you eat your seventh or your eighth cookie, <laughs> every flavor that you loved originally, you love the chocolate, you love that butter, you loved uh, the sugar, you could taste the sweetness. Now it just, it, it, it returns zero value. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. the, the marginal utility, the use, the value of what you're getting from each consumption each additional unit of consumption. I'm trying to throw some economics into this. It, it's this idea that the more you consume, the less value you get from each additional unit of consumption. And so those cookies are not as valuable on the eighth one as they are on the first one. Yeah, yeah. You know, something that used to satisfy doesn't fulfill you the same way. I remember when we would go on vacation when I was younger and we would get to stop at McDonald's. And it was such yeah. a big deal back then. Yeah. And, you know, you'd be able to get a, a McDonald's Sunday. Uh, but then Dairy Queen came along and then, you know, you can have a blizzard and you can have other things. So there are so many choices and it's easy to just up, 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 but it's much harder to go the other way. Right. And I think that's the, the thing we need to be careful with is that we can so easily embrace a higher level of lifestyle. It's easy mm-hmm. to go up. It's so much harder to go down. So we have to be careful how quickly we rise up to a certain level of lifestyle yeah. because pretty soon it's going to be very hard if we have to step the other way. So again, with this marginal utility, uh, we have to be aware that more doesn't necessarily mean better and more fulfillment. Right. And we have to find that balance. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing that that we wanna get across in this is that, um, you know, we all have a desire to grow and to learn and to increase our income and increase our finances. And there's there's good things in that. But if that is the end goal in and of itself, Mm -hmm. just realize, that the more you consume, the more you add to your life, over time, it's not going to return the same value. And really, it leads some people to a state of depression because they realize that the thing that they've been chasing and trying to achieve their entire life, as they're getting there, Mm -hmm. they realize it's not adding the level of value they thought it would. And they realize they may have sacrificed a lot of really important things along the way. And by the time they get to that place, we're on the eighth cookie. And now now they have 100 cookies and they can eat as many cookies as they want all day long. They realize, you know what? You know, I was happier when I just had three cookies and a glass of milk. And what did I sacrifice to get to 100 cookies yeah. when I was happy at three? And, and, and your example of McDonald's, I mean, growing up, we never went out to eat. And so when we went to McDonald's, I was like, wow, I can't believe the family. We're going to go grab some, some McDonald's. It's going to be awesome. It was a huge value. But you're right. The, you know, the more money you have, the more income, the more increase. Now, if we talk about going to McDonald's, it's like, well, are you trying to abuse us? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like it's, all of a sudden, everybody <laughs> in the family is like, well, I don't want to do that. I'd yeah. rather just you know, have water at home. <laughs> you know, it, it, we've gotten to this place where it's like, Okay, you know, and this is not a McDonald's conversation. This is a a our our desires have changed, our contentment has changed, mm-hmm. and our gratitude has changed. And as you go through the process of your personal finances, uh, be aware, be aware when those shifts happen, and be aware of what you're chasing, and realizing that that there is value to adding things into your life, but at some point, it's not going to return the same marginal utility that it did on that first use. <laughs> so then, the next term that we want to talk about, the next economic term, is inflation. When you think back on what you used to be able to buy for a dollar and what you can get for a dollar now, 
you're getting a good glimpse of inflation. Uh, inflation is the increase in the overall prices of products and services in our economy. Each dollar buys less, and we all probably start to feel poorer. A low, stable rate of inflation is normal, and economists consider it ideal, but high inflation can happen when the money supply expands too much and too quickly. So it's obviously not seen as a great thing by consumers who have to pay more for goods. Uh, and there are other negative effects, including less investments and savings and possibly a shortage of goods if people start hoarding money. So what we want to do there is give you an understanding of the way that economists describe inflation. Because when you hear that and you talk about it in the news and you see this language and this jargon, it can be a little overwhelming to even just listen through the description. But just, just think for a second. Think back even to the 1990s and what you could buy with $20 at the supermarket. Hmm. And you could probably fill your grocery cart probably a quarter of the way or half full with 20 bucks in the 90s. If you go to the grocery store today, you may get four or five items yeah. because over time, things cost more. The mm -hmm. gasoline, the, you know, think of the pump. Uh, I remember, and I, I'm not that old, but I remember paying less than a dollar a gallon. And now you're not going to find anything for less than two. I'm, I'm trying to think, maybe it was like 50 cents a gallon. I remember yeah. going pretty far back yeah. and, and just, you know, a gallon of gas was very inexpensive and it's doubled and doubled again. Mm -hmm. And so just realize, you know, some of the things you, you always hear your, your parents or your grandparents talking about spending uh, a nickel on a candy bar. Mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. now you can't get a candy bar for less than a dollar. What we're talking about is that over time, things are going to cost more. So if you had held on to that nickel thinking, hey, I can buy a candy bar in 1960, well, that nickel today won't even get you a gumball out of the gumball machine. That's right. That's 25 cents. That's right. So you've got to be aware that if you're holding on to your money and you're mm -hmm. not spending your money, I'm not saying you should spend, but I'm saying that if you're holding on to it and not investing it, right then over time, your dollar is going down in value. And mm -hmm. you need to be aware of that. Uh, I do the illustration with stamps as well. You know, think back to the oldest stamp that you can remember. And, and how much did you pay for that? And, and I've talked to people that you know, had five cent stamps. Mm -hmm. And I think our stamps are somewhere around 50 cents now, yep. give or take. Yep. And so just be aware, the average inflation rate in the United States is somewhere between 2 to 3% a year, yeah. which is very low. It's actually, uh, according to economists, it's very healthy to mm -hmm. have a little bit of inflation because it causes the economy to grow. More people are getting jobs. They're spending more. And as they spend more, people are willing to increase the price. And as the price increases, more jobs are created. And all these good things happen with a little bit of inflation. Right. But you have to be aware that if you're holding on to a dollar, uh, just a basic example, if you have $1,000 today, five years from now, it'll only be worth about $900. 10 years from now, it'll be worth about $800. Now, when I say worth, you'd still have $1,000, yeah. but what you can buy is less. Right. And so you do not want to just take your money and stick it into a mattress. You have to plug it into some kind of investment that's going to beat that 2 to 3% threshold and really hopefully get you 6, 7, 8, 9, 10% rate of return. So your money is growing and can continue to beat inflation. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And really, I think about uh, when we first got on a budget, I remember our grocery bill, and this was a family of four, was around $400. And then mm -hmm. as our kids got to about teenage to early 20s, just before they got married, our budget was around 900 a month. So, you know, yeah, it's been 20, close to 20 years, I guess, or some, somewhere around between 18 and 20 years 
but it went from 400 to 900. It yeah. more than doubled. Yeah. So I remember my wife would come home from time to time. Natalie would come home and she would say, everything just went up. Mm. And, it, and really, she literally, because she did most of the grocery shopping, she would literally feel, and I know some of the women will connect with this, you know when you go to the grocery store and you see the same items you're buying week in and week out, and then you see something go up 20, 30 cents. But it's one item, it's four items, it's 10 items. And before you know it, it's an extra $20, $30. So if you're trying to spend 150 a week or 200 a week, all of a sudden it's 250 mm-hmm. and it throws you off. So it's happening around us. I think that's what's important about this specific topic of inflation is to realize that there's nothing we can do to stop it from happening. But how we react to these economic situations is something that we can do. So it's about being frugal. It's about understanding how to adjust with the inflation. And what David said is really important is we cannot allow ourselves to fall behind because really there's only two choices. We could either lower our lifestyle by 2 to 3% every year, which is unlikely that we'll do for a long, long time, right? Because if we lower 2 3% for the next 10 years, we're going to be living on 70% of what we do today, which right. I'm sure most people will be like, I'm barely getting by today. Right. I can't see making it on 70%. So that's not really a way to go. The other way, though, is to find ways to make your money grow beyond that 2 to 3%. Mm-hmm. So that you're not just keeping up, but you're actually getting ahead. And how do we do that, David? Yeah, well, so this is where I'd go back to episode 11, 12, mm-hmm. 13, and 14 mm-hmm. and learn about investing. Because if you don't have a baseline understanding of where to invest over a long period of time and why it's important to have your money in the market and maybe a, a, an appropriate mix of bonds and stocks and looking through mutual funds, if if I say that and that doesn't make sense to you, you have to go back and listen to episode 11, yeah. 12, 13, and 14. We break yeah. it down very simply. And this is extremely important because if you're if you're not earning that two to three percent a year, it's gonna kill your lifestyle. Yeah. And and you see this happen a lot. Um, I think this is important even when you're walking with your parents or your grandparents, helping them understand that this two to three percent is happening every year to every their money. Year. If they're holding it in cash, this is where you see a lot of families, the the parents and the grandparents come back and live at home with the the next generation because mm-hmm. they had to cut their lifestyle. And cutting their lifestyle meant they had to sell their home because they couldn't maintain the maintenance and the taxes yep. and the insurance because they weren't anticipating this. So you want to make sure that your family members and your relatives are invested in something that's going to beat inflation over time. It, it's not just, can I get a good rate of return? If you're not getting any rate of return, you're going to get tackled from behind by right. inflation. It's going to pull right. you down. Yeah, so true. If, uh, if your money is going toward depreciating assets mm. instead of appreciating assets, over time, you're going to get killed by yeah. inflation. I mean, think about uh, if you're constantly borrowing for a car. Right? Right. If you're buying a car on payment, by the time you pay off the car, the car is worth less than half of what you paid for it. Mm-hmm. Right. So the idea there is not that you should never borrow or you know, only invest and not spend any money. Obviously, that's not a possibility. But, but you have to find that ratio where some of your money is going toward investing, toward increasing your income, your value, yeah. your net worth by more than two or three percent. Right. And potentially by way more than two to three percent. Right, of course. Because you don't want to just maintain. You want to get ahead. You want to be able to save and invest so that you're setting aside that nest egg so that when you do have to stop working or choose to stop working, you have the ability to do it and still not uh, not have to live in a poor house. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about another interesting economic term, something that you've probably all heard in the news or on the radio or in the newspaper, and that is when a recession mm-hmm. happens. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about recessions. So yeah, the economic definition is that a recession is a significant decline, significant, mm-hmm. a significant decline in economic activity that goes on for more than a few months. Uh, and it's visible across most of, if not all of the economy, the production, employment, whether people have jobs, uh, the actual income that people are taking home. Sometimes people see that they're taking home less money because there's less work, there's less production, yep. and just even the things that we buy and sell. Sometimes you'll see things go down in cost in a recession or stay the same. Back in 2009, when the uh, great recession happened, mm-hmm. um, it, you saw prices be stable for a couple of years. Right. So there was no inflation because right. nobody could raise prices on anything mm-hmm. because people could barely afford to pay what was already there. Yeah. And so some companies even lowered their prices slightly, but most just stayed the same. So when we talk about economic activity, this is the activity across all of the economy, making products, selling products, buying goods and services. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even just services, not even just right. physical products, but services. I mean, you know, I go get my oil changed. Right. Everything is impacted by this. Uh, companies will make less, and so they'll lay off people. Mm-hmm. Now people don't have jobs, so now they're spending less. less. As they spend less, then the companies are earning less, so they lay off more people. And it becomes this really difficult cycle to break. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, the important thing here, we don't have to get into all the details on recessions, but the important thing to realize here is that it's going to happen. Yes. At some point in time, we're going to experience another recession. Uh, they're not perfectly predictable, but they always come, you know, in you know so many year increments. So it could be seven years, and then it could be ten years, and then it could be thirteen years, and it could be four years. I mean, you don't know when the next one will happen, but it's going to happen. Yeah. And so you need to be aware and you need to be ready for that. So, Leo, what are some of the things that we do to prepare ourselves? Well, we covered this in previous episodes, but what we talk about is the stability that you need to have in your income uh, and being prepared for the ups and downs of of like a recession. And it doesn't right. necessarily even have to go into a recession. We talked about savings, how important it is for someone to have an emergency fund because you just don't know what's going to happen. And then we talked about the difference between different households. You can have a two-income household, two different people making decent money, working for two separate companies, and the possibility of both of them losing their income at the same time is fairly low, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if they're working at two different companies and, and both of them have good jobs, that's less likely that's going to happen. So their savings may not be as, be as high, their emergency savings, because if one of them loses their income, the other one will still have it. So they yes, they can cut back and they can still survive. They will need some savings, but not a tremendous amount. On the other hand, if you're self-employed or if you're on commission-based type of income uh, or job that pays on, you know, sales job, then you would have to have at least six months worth of income set aside. Mm-hmm. One, because it's a cycle, right? I mean, there are heavy seasons for selling and buying, and there's seasons where it kind of goes down around the holidays, around winter, certain businesses don't do as well as they do in the summer. So if you're in that position, then your emergency fund has to be way bigger than the other person that has a dual income family. Because Everything depends on you. When your income stops, everything stops, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so how long is it going to take you to find another job, to get that sales uh, uh, routine back in place, mm-hmm. to get the clients, to get the network started up so that you can have a steady income? It could be three months, it could be six months, it could be eight months. And if you don't have six months to a year, and I personally prefer a year, 
Um, if you don't have that in place, you're scrambling and you're going backwards and you're borrowing to get through. Yeah. And so not only are you not surviving, you're going in the hole. And that's really what I want to warn our listeners is in recessions, people go into a lot of debt. Right, right. That's the downside that I think most people don't don't really recognize is because not only are they not spending, they're not spending because they're being frugal. They're not spending because they don't have the money to do it. And then what happens is as goods and services and jobs go away, right, as people spend less money and jobs go away, now they don't have the ability to make their obligations, their credit card payments, their normal bills, all those things. So now they're starting to borrow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And by the time this thing starts to pick up, the job comes back, maybe it's not as good as the, the last one they had, yeah. maybe it's less pay. Now it's really hurting. And mm-hmm. it's going to take them years to climb back out of that hole. And that's really, I think, what, what I want to emphasize the most is we need to be prepared for recessions. Like you said, we can't predict them. They will happen. But we need to be prepared for them because if we are, the chances of us going in the hole is less likely. If we can just sustain doing a recession and not take a step backwards, that's a win to me. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Because recession, usually everybody has to tighten the belt and usually everybody's struggling. But if you could just maintain your level of lifestyle and not have to you know, go crazy right. in, in, the, in the hole, then you win. Yeah. Because then you catch the swing upwards and now you just keep moving upward. Yeah. So you may pause, but you're not going to do uh, a recess. You're not going to digress or, or you're not going to go backwards. Yeah. And that's really, I think, to me, I think that's the biggest thing that you can prepare for yeah. is just not to go down. And then on the next, when the cycle repeats, you just keep going up. Yep. And, and that's the thing is that, you know, as the economy goes down and a recession occurs and it affects uh, the whole country, well, over time, it's going to come back around and mm-hmm. the jobs are going to come back yep. and the income is going to come back and the pay rates will go back up. And sometimes it takes longer than others. Sometimes it's pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So if you can, if you can just maintain, if you can have a, a safe, strong posture during the recession, then you're ready for that uptick to come and then you can really benefit. Mm-hmm. So so one thing I want to also warn you against is the fear of the recession or the idea that the recession has to impact you personally, dramatically and deeply. A lot of people, you know, it may happen across the entire country and you may see a reduction in the labor force by 4%, 5%, even up to 10%. That's 10% of people. Mm -hmm. You can stay in the 90% of people that maintain your job. You can make sure that where you're at today, you have what I call career insurance and you're a top performer. And so you're the last person the company's going to let go. And mm-hmm. if the company goes under and everybody gets let go, then you're a top performer and you know how to take those skills into another company. And so you need to start today building your network, focusing on your relationships and your industry, making sure that you're buying yourself a little bit of relational equity and insurance so mm-hmm. that when something comes along, it doesn't hit you hard. Uh, you know, most of the people that I know um, when a recession comes, and we live in Texas, and Texas usually doesn't get hit as hard by national recessions because we've got a great economy here, but it's affected. Most of the people that I know here in North Texas um, were not dramatically impacted mm-hmm. by the recession. Right. Uh, there, there were some things, you know, they weren't able to invest as much. They maybe had to pull back. They maybe had to sell a home and get a smaller home. There are some things, but, but at the same time, most of the people I know didn't feel it too heavily. And you can be in that percentage of people. You can be one of the people that is ready to move into another career, onto another job site, uh, working for another employer. You can be ready to go with the skills you have, but you have to start planning that now. That's the emergency fund that Leo was talking about. It's having margin in the budget. Mm -hmm. So if you're constantly already living 
10% below your income, yeah. 20% below your income, 30% below your income. Yeah. Now, if you have to leave, if your job disappears and you have to take another job at 70% of the income for a year, for two years during the recession, you can do that. You can maintain your lifestyle, which was 70% of your original income. And then when the recession's over and incomes come back up, you're ready to jump back into a great position. Uh, the next thing that you want to do is if you've been living well below your means for a while and you've been piling up some of that 10% or 20%, mm -hmm. now you've got investment money. Yeah. And this is what the, the people that have been in this game for a long time, mm -hmm. handling wealth, handling money, they've done well over a long career, they actually look for the recessions as, as an opportunity, yeah, right? That's when they make the most money. That's when they make the most money because yep. people that were over leveraged and that weren't ready for it, they have to sell fast. And mm -hmm. when you sell fast, you sell cheap. That's right. Uh, or, or you go through a bankruptcy and the judge sells it for you. And mm -hmm. when the judge sells it for you, they're not looking to make a profit. They're just looking to get rid of it, to be done with it. And so you're at this place where if you have money in the bank, you can take advantage of real estate opportunities, low low cost in the stock market. I mean, really, stocks a dip usually when the economy dips. And so you can buy companies much cheaper than you usually would. Yeah. This is actually the best time to invest, but you can only invest if you've built that relational equity in your career, you've built that savings, you have your emergency fund, and you know that you're ready to just embrace this yeah. storm with no problem. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I, I'm going to focus on just one of those. Just I want to emphasize the importance of margin in a budget, that it's not just to attain a certain lifestyle and then maintain that and maybe have a little bit of wiggle room, maybe have your savings in place. Those things are great. But if you can get to a place where you increase the margin between what you need to live on and what you actually make, that's where that additional 20, 30, 40, 50% can, can then take you to become wealthy. Yeah, You can go from just getting by to having a comfortable uh, retirement to actually becoming wealthy. And I see every single person, honestly, every person that I've studied that has uh, become financially wealthy has taken that step where they have m limited their lifestyle, right? They have lived on way less than what they're making. Mm -hmm. And like you said, David, they, they wait for the down cycle because right. they know when everybody's selling, I'm buying Right. Because right. I'm getting bargain basement type prices. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. We all know <laughs> it all makes sense to us. Right. Yeah. And I remember in 2012, when we bought our investment property, you know, the recession lasted for two, three years or so. I mean, yeah. even to, through 2012, 13, it was still, I mean, I remember people were still, oh, yeah. uh, there were still foreclosures, a bunch of houses were in foreclosure. So when we bought this property, it was undervalued. Yeah. I mean, it's it's two and a half times what it was six years ago. Wow. Today. Yeah. Um, but that's because somebody was desperate to sell. Right. Right. And the reason they were desperate to sell is because they were in debt and they needed the money. Yeah. And it was a great investment for me. It, it would have been for them, but they didn't have the margin. Right. And so, see, I took advantage because I was prepared to take an opportunity and buy something because I had margin. They didn't have margin. They had to sell. Right. And that's that's really, it's as simple as that. If you have margin, you have opportunities, and you can advance or you could take a step backwards. Yeah, It's really up to you. And what we're trying to impress on you, our listeners, is that recessions and ups and downs come. Layoffs will happen. I remember when I first started my job as an aircraft mechanic, they told me, you're going to be laid off two to three times in your career. Mm -hmm. And I didn't believe it, but I went through two layoffs, and it happened. And the first time, it devastated me. The second time, 
didn't even feel it. <laughs> right. You know? Wow. That's awesome. Because, because I had margin. you had the plan, right? The next yeah. time it happened, I had margin. It, yeah. You know, we kept on trucking. So that's the, that's the, really the difference between being prepared and not prepared is understanding that a recession will happen and how we build margin is by doing the things that you talked about. Having yeah. an emergency fund, a career insurance, margin in the budget, and investing. Yeah. Create margin so you can invest. That's the only way you're going to get out of the hole. And that's the only way you're going to really make some great progress. Yeah. Well, and I remember you telling me that some of the people at one of the companies that you worked for, they they lived their budget not just based on their annual income, mm-hmm. but based on the fact that the company was supplying a lot of overtime. Yes. And so that overtime let them work extra mm-hmm. and at a higher rate of pay. Yes. And so they were living based on the budget of every dollar that was coming in, and they were working a bunch of extra hours. Mm-hmm. Well, as soon as the recession came, the first thing that disappeared was the overtime. That's right. And so if you've been used to living on an extra $20,000, mm-hmm. And that's that a major lifestyle adjustment. And so so that's the thing. I mean, begin to learn to live on what your annual income is. And then over time, treat it like, you know, that's a bonus. That's savings. That goes into savings. It reduces debt. And it becomes a rainy day fund for the next recession. So I can go out and buy a piece of property yep. that will go up two and a half times in value in the next so many years. Yep. I'm looking at the S&P 500 right now. And if you had bought... Um, you know, just one, one, a mutual fund, an index fund of the S&P 500, when it was at 690, when it was rated at 690 back in 2009, that was when it was at its lowest, right around 690. Well, now it's at over 2,400. That means it doubled from, you know, 690 to 1,200 and something, maybe 1,380. Mm -hmm. And then it doubled again to 2,600. And it actually got up to 2,900, but it it doubled and it doubled again. So if you were ready to take advantage of that recession, if you had some money saved, then in 10 years, you would double your money and double it again. Now, here's what's interesting. We're right at the place where, uh, you know, it peaked around 2,900 and now it's dropped down to 2,600 and everybody's freaking out because that's a 300 point change yeah. and that's about 10%. And it's like, oh no, the world's coming to an end. Like, <laughs> yeah, I hate my investments. Yep. Well, if you had started at 600, you know, the fact that it's down at 2,600 would not be a problem. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. like, okay, no worries. Yeah. And if you buy a little bit... I can weigh this bit, out. I can weigh this <laughs> out, right. Exactly. And if you buy every year in the good years and the bad years, you're buying it when it's cheap, you're buying it when it's expensive, and over time, yeah. you're going to average a really good rate of return if you have a well-diversified you know, yeah. portfolio. And that's such a, a, a jargon way to say it. Uh, I guess my pitch there is go back and listen to episode 11, 12, and 13, and 14, yeah. Yeah. and really dig into investing and be ready for that. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this episode as we dug into a little bit more of the economy and how it impacts your personal finances, marginal utility, inflation, dealing with recessions. Uh, This is stuff I geek out over and I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, I, I would ask that you would take some time to go and rate review and subscribe to our channel. Yes, uh, It might not seem like a big deal to you, but if you click the subscribe button, that triggers something in the algorithm for mm-hmm. whatever you know engine you're using to listen to it, whether it's iTunes or Android, uh, or even if you're just listening off of Leo's webpage, it will trigger something in the algorithm that will help other people find it. So subscribing helps other people find it. If you will rate it five stars, iTunes, it's five stars, and maybe put a nice little comment with a few good words. Or uh, CastBox is, if you have an Android, uh, it won't let you rate it in a scale of one to five, but it will let you add a comment Mm -hmm. in the comment box. Please 
go and add a comment. That is, uh, that's social proof to other people that this is a great show that will improve your life. And yeah. if you've enjoyed it, we're asking you to go on there and share that with other that's people. That's right. I mean, if you enjoyed it, just think of someone else that also could enjoy it. That's yes. what we're trying to do is serve more people. And the marketing side is we're hoping that some of you will just promote that. Yes. If you're enjoying it and getting value out of it, share it with somebody you love, somebody that could benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Leo and I love doing this, but we also take time out of our day to mm -hmm. come do this. Yep. And so so we would be honored and rewarded if you would do that for us. Um, can you share this on your favorite social media platform? Just take the link directly off. There's usually a share button. Share that link on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, wherever you can, or just put it into a text message. Look at the last five people that you've texted mm -hmm. and just say, hey, I just listened to this great episode of Getting Money Right. I want to support a friend. Will you listen to it? Will you download this episode? Would you take a minute and give it five stars mm -hmm. just based on our friendship? You know, I mean, use your relational equity to help right. Leo and I out. We would love that. Uh, and you can find the show notes to this episode and more plus a bunch of content and resources at leosabo.com. Spend some time on there, read through some of the blogs, and then share those blogs. And overall, we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money right. not want to just take your money and stick it into a mattress, you have to plug it into some kind of investment that's going to beat that 2 to 3% threshold and really hopefully get you 6, 7, 8, 9, 10% rate of return so your money is growing and can continue to beat inflation. Mm -hmm.